I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. And some interesting uh, dates in history. 75 years ago today, A Wonderful Life uh, premiered. And uh, way back in, let's see, 1843, uh, yesterday, was the 178th anniversary of the release of A Christmas Carol. And there's some great lessons in both the movie and uh, in the story, A Christmas Carol. So, of course, many of us think of uh, A Wonderful Life and Jimmy Stewart, and uh, it it is that holiday classic. Uh, It was not necessarily uh, an instant favorite nor an an instant success. Again, it was released uh, just five days before Christmas in 1946. Uh, Introduced, of course, the great character George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. Uh, play, faces this personal and professional crisis on Christmas Eve in 1945, and uh, some really interesting things around that. Uh, one, uh, it, it did do just modest at best at the theaters, uh, falling about uh, 500,000 shy uh, of earning the $6.3 million it would have needed to break even. So it did not break even. It actually uh, sent uh, Frank Capra about uh, half a million in the hole which left him scrambling to finance uh, other projects. Uh, also interesting that, uh, you know, it, it did kind of bomb at the box office. Uh, and it was actually this lapse in copyright, which allowed it to go on television. Uh, so the copyright originally uh, lapsed in 1974, which made it available royalty-free. And, and I'm pretty sure that is why, uh, according to all the reports, that's uh, why it was always on television <laughs> during all the holiday season, because uh, it was royalty-free. Uh, which ended, I guess, in uh, 1994. Uh, and so some interesting things there. To me, the the real story of It's a Wonderful Life uh, is the impact of one, that one person can make a difference. In fact, it has always been one person that has made a difference. Uh, most of the extraordinary things in history are because one person either gets really tired and really frustrated or really motivated to do something that will make a difference. And to me, that is the story of a wonderful life. And it shows that we should never underestimate what one good thing can do, what one good act, what one good deed, what one good interaction can mean, not just for another individual, but for a family, for a neighborhood, for a community. And of course, that played out in, uh, in that classic tale of a wonderful life. Now, the other uh, anniversary was for a Christmas carol. Uh, which this was yesterday, December 19th, 1843, uh, 178 years ago. 
Uh, a few facts about that book, courtesy of our friends at Mental Floss, uh, which you can always go to to get a good uh, a good perspective on a few things. Uh, so Charles Dickens, of course, uh, that is the Christmas tale. He published it himself, uh, both, I think, because he was turned down uh, by his traditional publisher who had published his, his earlier works. He was coming off of uh, some defeats, and uh, he ended up uh, doing this himself, financing it himself, rolling it out himself. And it uh, all began after a charity event. In 1843, Dickens gave a speech at a charity night to raise money for the Manchester uh, Athenaeum in England, an institution dedicated to advancing and the diffusion of knowledge. So uh, he spoke there. uh, And, of course, Benjamin Disraeli, who, man, if you ever want some good quotes, uh, Benjamin Disraeli can uh, can lay down a great speech. Uh, He would later become prime minister of Great Britain. Uh, But he, uh, Dickens was really criticized uh, coming out of that, uh, some of his works that had uh, uh, flopped, as it were, not flopped at the box office, but uh, flopped at the bookstore. And and so Dickens really began this effort. And in fact, we celebrated this at my house yesterday, uh, rolling out. We actually watched a a really entertaining film uh, called The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is really about the story of Charles Dickens writing this tale. And it's actually really well done. Christopher Plummer's on there. Uh, It is a great film. And it takes you through some of the challenges that Dickens had and some of the uh, challenges. uh, It's done in a very whimsical way. He sort of has uh, his interaction with his characters in the book. And that makes it kind of fun to figure out what was going on with uh, Ebenezer Scrooge and so on uh, as Dickens tried to put the pieces together uh, to write this book, uh, to get it out before uh, Christmas that year. And to me, one of the, the most telling components of this, obviously Dickens had a challenge with his own father in terms of how he was treated and what he had to do, uh, and often just felt that his father was just this, you know, no good uh, person who lived off of everyone else and and was never really responsible for things. Um. But as you look at that, and as uh, as it was portrayed in, in this movie about the writing of A Christmas Carol, that it really did save Christmas in, in, many, in many ways. It was sort of waning at the time. And the interesting thing is uh, there's this moment where he talks about uh, getting to the end. And initially it, it portrayed that he uh, had Tiny Tim die and, you know, all of these negative things happened uh, because Ebenezer Scrooge would never change, that people wouldn't change. And that's the message I want to land on today, uh, is this idea of can people change? Uh, I look at places like the Other Side Academy, uh, who take people who have not changed over years of being in and out of the prison system. And I heard one person say one time, you know, you can't work with people who are addicts and who have been on the street and who've been in that revolving door of going in and out of prison over and over and over again. Uh, They said, a leper doesn't change its spots. And the response is, that may be true, but we are not dealing with leopards. We are dealing with people. And people can change. And the moment for Dickens, the way it was portrayed in The Man Who Invented Christmas, uh, was this really simple line about how people can change and that people do change. And that should actually give all of us a whole lot of hope, is that all of us can change. And so whether that's an individual that can change, a family, a neighborhood, a community, a business, a country, 
the Congress. Change happens. Uh, It doesn't happen by accident. It's an intentional thing. But people change. And we need to remember, and this was the the key line to me in uh, celebrating the anniversary of A Christmas Carol, is no one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of another. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burden of another. So people can change, and we can be part of that change if we choose to lighten the load of another. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio today. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. We'll see you tomorrow. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.